Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Sock Religious, an online mom and pop store started by Scott and Elizabeth back in 2017. Check out Sock Religious and bring the faith to the workplace and spice up your Sunday best. These Catholic socks are the perfect gift for your priest, your favorite Catholic on your Christmas list, and of course, yourself. Check them out at SockReligious.com and use the affiliate link that you find in today's show notes to sponsor this podcast with your purchase. It can be hard to find time in busy schedules to renew your faith and inspire your spirit. And as busy as your life is, you're probably used to being pulled this way and that and having countless people depend on you. The good news is that you don't have to wonder anymore if you'll ever find a community of like-minded women. And you can stop the search for the perfect scripture passage to pray through, and the wondering if you're ever going to find time to pray. All you need to start with is Blessed Is She, a community of women delivered to your inbox daily. We're going to be talking about the founding days of Blessed Is She, the importance of community, and how to invest into friendships in your life as a Catholic woman. Blessed Is She has been such a gift to me in my life as a Catholic woman, so I can't wait to share them with you. And we are welcoming to the show Mary Ruth Hackett. She is the Director of Operations for Blessed Is She, a beautiful, gorgeous community online and in real life for women who are Catholic, who are striving for community. And that's an organization that we're going to be talking about quite a bit in this podcast. But before we get into that, Mary Ruth, could you tell us a little bit more about your story as a Catholic woman? And you're a convert to Catholicism. Can you share a little bit about that story as well? Sure. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Chloe. You know, I came into the church about 11 years ago. I I married a really nice Catholic guy 18 years ago, and it never occurred to me that I would convert to Catholicism. That was not part of my plan. That was not something that he acquired nor sought. I mean, maybe it would have been nice, but it it was definitely um, not an intention that was on either one of our hearts. But after being married for, gosh, it would have been like five or six years, we had a miscarriage, and we were living out of the state at the time, and we had been going to a Catholic church, mainly for convenience, as opposed to, I grew up in a really strong Protestant background, but he really wanted to go to a Catholic church while we were there, so I thought, okay, that's fine. And he asked me after the miscarriage, I was, of course, struggling, and he said, do you want to talk to someone? And I, I just said yes, but I didn't care who, so we made an appointment with the priest at our parish, and the priest, Father Juan, was so amazing. It was the first time in my life, even though I'd grown up in a church, been extremely involved. I mean, I was the substitute organist and sang in the choir, and I actually was the church secretary. Like, I was employed by the church for a while. Mm-hmm. And even though I had been extremely involved growing up in a church, I'd never really felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in that way. And so it was through that that ministering that the priest was able to really show me the presence of the Holy Spirit and what that can do in my life. I thought to myself, "There's I've been missing something in my life, and I want that, whatever that is. I had been working on my dissertation. I've got a PhD in educational psychology, and I was working on it at the time. And in between drafts of my dissertation, I would have these pockets of time while my oldest slept. And I started taking those pockets of time when I didn't have anything that I had to do for school to study the faith and to, and to really answer the question of why. Why has the church split? Why does Protestantism exist? What are the differences between Protestants and Catholics? And to really jump in cognitively, because my heart had already been moved to want whatever it was that I was missing. I mean, the, the argument 
for Catholicism is just so strong, there was really no going back. So I told my husband I was going to convert, and he was shocked because it had been my journey. It wasn't his journey, and it wasn't something that I had shared with him. I, I really wanted this to be my thing, and um, I did ask him to be my sponsor, and it was that conversion process was just beautiful for both of us because his catechesis hadn't been exactly sound, even though he grew up in a practicing Catholic home and he had gone to Catholic school, he just hadn't had a, a really great catechetical experience. And my catechesis was fantastic at our parish. And so he had a, a bit of a transformation as well, or a reconversion, whatever you want to call it. And we, as a family, have chosen then to really live out our faith to the best we can and to live in line with the teachings of the church. And it's been just amazing for our for our family. Mm, that's beautiful. I've been, I've had the honor of being a sponsor for a couple of women who've gone through RCA and it's always incredible to realize how much you don't know about your Catholic faith. Like as a cradle Catholic, it's like, oh, I've, I've forgotten about this or I had never even heard about this. And so it's so beautiful to watch your husband's reconversion process like simultaneously alongside your conversion process. That's beautiful. That was so cool. It was so, so cool. Yeah. I highly recommend if you have any money is in the, the position to become a sponsor that they do because you do learn so much. There's so much to learn. And the, the more you study it, the more you realize how much you don't know. Right. And, and that is a gift to, to see how much more there is to learn. You can learn your whole life and, and still not know everything about our faith. It's so rich. Before I went through RCA, it was a daunting. Like, I will never know everything there is to know about the faith. And now it's like a beautiful, look how much there, this wealth of knowledge that I'm, it's never gonna, I'm never gonna come up dry. I'm never gonna come up empty. There's always gonna be something to learn about, which is so beautiful. Absolutely, yeah. Well phrased, absolutely. So you're currently the director of operations for Blessed Is She, which is this incredible organization that helps create communities of like-minded Catholic women. And you've been with Blessed Is She since the beginning days of the organization as a writer back in 2014. So can you tell us a little bit about the founding days of that organization and the vision and dream that kind of inspired this creation of Blessed Is She? Oh, I would love to. Our founder and creator is Jenna Gizar, and she's a dear friend of mine in 2014, as you said, she was inspired by the Holy Spirit for sure, and she reached out to a group of about 20 writers and bloggers that she knew mostly online and invited us to participate in this new online community. I think there were probably a few of them that she knew in person and had met, but I think I was, I was the only one locally who, okay. who also knew her in the flesh, we in a small group together. And she didn't know exactly what it was going to look like at the time, but she knew that she wanted, one, to bring Catholic women into community, and two, she wanted to help these women to grow in relationship with Christ. So to grow in relationship with one another and also to grow in relationship with Christ. And those goals really manifested themselves in the devotions that we send out each morning. So for those of you who don't know about the Blessed Is She devotions, the heart of Blessed Is She is the Word of God. We send out a daily devotion that's linked to the daily readings every single day. And these devotions are written in a very deep and personal way to help the reader to really internalize the Scripture. And really they set a model for how to read Scripture because you're given the, the devotion, and then you're given someone else's kind of read on the devotion. So it's not catechetical in nature, but it allows you to see how someone else might read and interpret 
um, for their lives, practically, what that, that scripture means to them. But we also, Blessed Be She also provides a way for women to connect and meet up face-to-face and in the online world, both, which you alluded to earlier. We have, like, workshops online. We have brunches and retreats and small group materials for women who want to create their own small groups. We have a pretty extensive Facebook groups for regions and even cities to help women to connect with one another worldwide. And I have to I love those. I had the pleasure of being able to go to Europe this summer and I was going to be in London for a couple of days and I was trying to figure out how I could get from the Gatwick. I'd flown in and out of Heathrow before, but I didn't know how to get from Gatwick Airport into the city center without paying a bazillion dollars. And so a couple of days before, I just posted something on the Europe Facebook group that said, hey, you know, hey sisters, can you help me out? This is what I'm looking for. And I had like three or four women post in that group. Oh, you need this. You just do this. You can get it here. And I mean, it was like having this personal little tour guide. And then they flooded the stream with, oh, see if you can check into this little chapel. It's really cute. It's on this and such corner. And then another one, make sure you go to mass at this and such time at this and such place. So it was just, it was so awesome to have these women that I've never met. But they they wanted the best for me. They wanted to reach out. They wanted to even one of them that I talked to online wanted to meet up. I mean, it's it's oh, it's, just, it's so a great. really really neat little group. So the Facebook groups are just they're just fabulous. Not just for prayer request type stuff, but also just some practical living type of stuff too. So I'd love to share. We really want women to get to know Christ in the Word, but also to connect with other women and grow together in community that's centered in Him. I think my favorite parts about Blessed She have been getting in the devotions in my email inbox so that I don't have an excuse. Like there's not, it's it's right there. I'm going through my emails. I'm checking them in the morning when I'm either laying in bed or sitting and drinking my coffee in the morning. And it's it's something that I can't ignore. So there's that that I love. I love how I've been able to meet quote unquote, I haven't met any of them in real person yet that meet these women who write the devotions because there've been so many where I've read it and been like, gosh, that's, yeah, that makes total sense. Or that's how I experience that scripture too and then to find out that they have a blog or they have a podcast and be able to encounter them too and yeah those facebook groups are fantastic i live here in kansas city kansas and there's a kansas city and missouri facebook group that's incredible and i have met so many incredible women who yeah have been very much local tips or did you know this event is coming up and it's just been so beautiful to watch those communities form from women who live in the same city and haven't met or plan on meeting or we met at a brunch and it's just been really beautiful to watch that community grow Yes. It's funny that you said that about the devotions. That's exactly what I do, too. It's like you have to be the first thing that I look at in my inbox in the morning. And usually I'm in bed still. My husband's sleeping next to me. (laughs) It's just to be able to open your morning in that way. And if you don't click on that email, you're making a conscious decision. I am not going to read the Word of God right now when I'm given the chance. And so for me, I mean, for four years now, it's just been this driving force that like every morning I need to read the devotion. And it's such a good habit to form too, because then once it's in your daily schedule, it's something that just becomes, okay, this is what my morning looks like. Or like you said, like, I can't imagine what my morning wouldn't look like without reading a devotion or going to scripture and how much that's encouraged me too, to dive deeper into scripture outside of those devotions too, because it's easy to encounter scripture on Sunday mass and be like, okay, I read the Bible for the week. I'm doing pretty good. But then to be encouraged to encounter on a weekly, daily basis has just really encouraged me to just dive deeper outside of the devotions too, which has been great. That's awesome because that's exactly what we want. So I, that makes my heart smile to hear you say that, Chloe. Oh, it's so neat to hear about how this organization started. I think I first found about it 
when I was in college. And so it would have been probably the second year in 2015 when it was just kind of getting started. And it's so beautiful to have watched this organization grow and the women who've become involved in it and just like the vast variety of things that are offered to women through Blessed Is She. It's really beautiful. Oh, good. Yay. (laughs) So it can be easy for women whether they're single or married or raising little people or even after they are done raising little people to feel like they're alone. Why is authentic community something that's so important in the lives of Catholic women, regardless of what season they find themselves in? Gosh, I mean, we are social creatures by nature. I mean, we're made for community. I love being part of the Catholic community because it holds me accountable to holiness. Mm. But it also gives me that tangible support and modeling and processes to really grow in my relationship with Christ. So having Christian women as friends, I mean, that's a lifelong friendship. They have the same endpoint. They have the same goal. We're all striving to get to heaven. And I know that my Catholic sisters want me in heaven too with them. They want to support my marriage. They want to support my kids. They want to support my journey through Christ. And so when problems come up or when, you know, I act in a less than perfect manner, having Catholic sisters in my community is great because they do hold me accountable to being better. They they do call me and say, hey, I kind of wish you had told me about X, Y, and Z. Like, I kind of feel like this is a liable mission, and I want to be able to trust you. And it's really, really beautiful to see that because they're not saying it because they're mad at me and feeling vindictive. They're saying it because they want better for me, and they expect better from me because they know that I am seeking eternity with Christ. And so whereas with other relationships and other friendships, you might look at it and be like, yeah, that's just kind of how that person is. And you let go of it because it's maybe not as important to that person. With Catholic friendships, you have an obligation to one another to call each other to task on certain things. Because I know they're Catholic, I know that they're going to forgive me. I know that they are striving for holiness too. So I, I know that where it comes from is important. And I know that where the source of, you know, whatever complaint it might be is, is coming from a really good place. And I know that the end point for us in our relationship is going to be that we're going to be tighter in the end of any sort of conflict. I mean, not that I go around like causing conflict all the time, <laughs> but, but none of us are perfect and recognizing the imperfections of one another and recognizing that we have an obligation to accept those, but also to help our sisters and community really is just a beautiful thing. It's great. Uh, And I think it's probably one of my favorite aspects about being in community with one another is just that holding each other accountable to holiness. And, and, you know, if if I have frustrations with my kids, or if I have, you know, complaints about my spouse, Knowing that that's a safe place where they're not going to rail, like, oh, I can't believe you did that. Oh, I can't believe you have to go through this. You know, you're just better off without them. There's never going to be that in this community. It's always going to be a, well, what has Jesus said to you in prayer about this? Yeah. Or let's pray about this right now. Or just that truth telling. You need to reject those lies, Mary. Those are lies that Satan's putting in your heart. Your husband's a good man, you know, or whatever. I don't complain about my husband because he's a fabulous guy. But you understand what I'm saying, that, yeah. that they respond differently to even just general complaints about life, which we have to, I mean, that's part of the beauty about being in community. We can expel, espouse those complaints and then 
um, we get checked back, checks and balances. And sometimes that might be, gosh, I really think you guys need to pray together about this. Or I really think that this is a deeper issue that your, your kid may be going through. What kind of support can we get you? Or what kind of, you know, not that it's her job, whoever it is, my friend's job to solve my problems, but to really recognize, gosh, I think you might, you might need to talk to someone else about this. This is kind of a big deal and it's important. So how can we help get you the support that you need? It's a very, very different type of relationship than you have with non-Catholics. For sure. It's like that transcendental third. Your relationship is founded, like you said, on the end goal of heaven. And so regardless of what season you're in or what you're going through, there's always that goal in mind of getting each other to heaven and seeing each other in heaven. And it changes things. It changes conversations. It changes like topics that are even brought up in conversation and how honest and vulnerable we are. I think that's something that I've noticed with Catholic women that I have as friends is just a, a completely different level of vulnerability, just in different depth, because there is that desire to know each other as daughters of God, too. Right. I was meeting with my one of my small groups last night. It was interesting because one of the women in the small group highlighted just that. She said that she is and has been, it's actually our writer, the writers in Blessed Is She have small groups that we belong to also. Oh, that's, awesome. that's just made up of us writers, which is so cool. So um, it was this, this group of writers we're talking last night, and she said that she is much more transparent with us as writers in the group than she is with, you know, her flesh and body friends or her family, because we have this intimacy that is based in Christ. It's a different type of intimacy that I don't think you can necessarily obtain with other people if you don't share the heart of Christ. So for community within your own life, how have you fostered community within your life as a Catholic woman? And have you seen a shift or a change in that community with the foundation of Blessed She and your involvement in that? Has that brought more fruitfulness and community in your, in your daily life as a Catholic woman? You know, when I came into the church, I was pretty disconnected from any Catholic community, and our church, our parish at that time, had recognized that there was an issue with community. You know, when you go through the RCI program, you meet on a regular basis, and you have this group of people that you're going through, and then Easter Vigil comes, and you're just kind of like, boy, you're, you're left out there in pew all by yourself now. Yeah. So I spoke with, um, with our pastor, and I started a mom's group at our parish, and led that for about five years, and then I started a women's study group with a friend, and helped with that for a few years. So I, I really manufactured community in a mm-hmm. sense to try to bring some women together. It worked. I mean, it worked beautifully and gave me an opportunity to meet and to test out relationships with women. Currently, I've got the two small groups that I participate in, one's virtual and one's in real life with friends from the parish, um, many of whom that I met through that first mom's group. In, in terms of those small groups, one is a virtual small group that is the Blessed Issue Writers, We've all met each other in real life. We have a retreat once a year that we do, and then also um, two of them have come and stayed at my house and gone to retreats here, and that has been fantastic. And we've just started that small group this fall. So Blessed is She has brought those relationships with those writers to me, and that has been, you know, we've got the larger Blessed is She community that we serve, but it's been fantastic to have this smaller group of women who support one another and help one another as well. I'll have an even like wider circle through my Instagram and through my blog. My blog is Parenting with Peer Review. Now with a, pod, a new podcast that I started with the Diocese of Phoenix called Parenting Smart, specifically with the parenting stuff that I do because that was what my training was yes. in. 
I just I think it's so important for parents to recognize the universal struggles of family life because it helps them to be more comfortable in being transparent and open in friendships and then to be open to real community because when we think that we're the only one who has, you know, a teen who will like have outbursts and say horrible things to the people that love them most in the world, uh, then we're less likely to say, gosh, I'm really struggling. Can you pray for me in this area? But when we listen to a podcast like mine, we're like, wow, oh my gosh, this is something everybody's going through. It really opens the door for you to then have more authentic relationships with people because you recognize that these struggles are universal. They really are. So many of the struggles that we go through in life are universal. And if we are shut off because we're worried about how others will think or feel or interpret us, then we can't be open to authentic friendship and this is what the devil loves to do he loves to isolate us and get us off by ourselves so that he can you know give us all of his lies and there's such a beauty that comes with being authentic in community where there isn't any room for the lies because it's constantly being brought out into the light absolutely it's so so important when women dive into friendship if they're just starting there's always that awkward stage of getting to know other women. How Do you have any tips for how to abide in each season of friendship? To not push past those awkward phases or to reject friendship because it's still in the awkward phase. But also, if they have friendships with women in their lives that are kind of at a surface level right now, do you have any tips for how to dive deeper with those women that they have already have established friendships with? I think that we live in a culture rooted in friendship for convenience, but the mom that's on the sideline that always tells the great stories and you see her, you know, every Saturday, but I don't know, do you really want to hang out with her? Well, I don't know, maybe, but we're friends, sort of. It's a friendship of convenience and we need friendships that are authentic and it doesn't mean that that couldn't become an authentic relationship, but I would say that if you have people that are in your life that you want to delve deeper into a um, relationship with, or if you don't and you're looking for it, like I said in the beginning when I, when I converted, I was looking for that. So I just started a mom's group and I invited everybody. I was able then to see, like, are there women here that I click with? Are there women here that, like, we just, our hearts speak to one another? And those were relationships that then we could foster um, by doing things outside of the group. Hey, you want to meet at the park and let our kids play? Or, hey, you want to have coffee after, after mom's group next week? And just reaching out for those little, that you can have those one-on-ones. But when you have something solid that people know what to expect and there's a script for going deeper, I think that that really, really helps. So, you know, let's say that you have women either that you know or that you don't know. My response would be the same thing is to maybe start a small group together where the goal is to grow with one another. Uh, You don't have to attend the same gym or have kids the same age or have husbands that get along. You're starting a new sort of mission in your friendship or in your relationship with the goal of really becoming a sister in Christ by getting to know Christ together or by getting to know some aspect of the church together and to grow in holiness with that. And then that friendship really starts becoming eternal and starts looking different than other friendships because there's an intimacy in being able to pray with and for one another. Um, Like I said before, there's this recognition of imperfection at the outset because your goal is that you're going to grow together and you're going to get better. So if you really want like a deeper relationship with women in your life, first that I would ask, are these really the women that you want yes. greater intimacy with? Like that's the first thing. Do they make you a better person just by their very being already? Um, maybe there's a reason why you're not closer with them. And then looking for other Catholic or Christian women who have that same life goal with you mm-hmm. and striving to develop a deeper relationship 
with those women. And I would suggest that you do pray about it. I mean, I'm not saying that you should throw away half of your friend group because they do things that you don't do or they don't go to Mass on Sunday or whatever. I'm not suggesting that you do that. But definitely start in prayer about it and say, Lord, what friendships do you want me to grow deeper? Who are the people that you want me to be surrounded with? And if you come up with a big blank, then maybe it's time to step out of your comfort zone a little bit and host a blessed brunch. Yeah. And just open your home. We have a whole hostess manual. We make it super easy for you to do. And you open your home to women in your in your region who are also seeking community with one another. Now, if you ask God in prayer who it is that you should be growing closer with, and he gives you a couple names, then maybe what you do is you reach out to those women and you say, I would really like to start a small group. Is there one night a week or two nights a month that you could devote to just growing in holiness together. And this is the curriculum that I'm thinking about using. We've got our Blessed Conversations study guides that, and there are tons to choose from, and they're short. And you say, let's just start it out. Let's do a five-week study and see where it goes. And then the pressure is off for one person to lead everything or one person to do everything because you've, the manual is right there. Like it, right. it walks it out easily for you. And if there are people that the Lord puts on your heart, and you think, well, yeah, that would be great, but she lives in New York and I live in L.A., then do something virtual, like my yeah. writer's group is virtual. We just do a Google Hangout every other Wednesday night. And we do it in a time where we can eat, everyone can make it, or most of us can make it on a regular basis, and we just meet. So it, could be, it doesn't even have to be someone that is their flesh and blood right there in the same room with you having a glass of wine. We have, we have a great time with our online stuff. Start a group. Yeah. However, amen. however you need to do it, that's I think is the best way because it takes that pressure off to perform for any one person. And that question, well, how do I do this? I don't know. It's kind of awkward. No, it's not because you've got a curriculum and you've both decided that you want to do this. So there's even a leader's guide for small groups that really walks you through anything that you might be uncertain about, um, how to troubleshoot people who talk too much or how to bring out people who don't talk very much or what kind of prayer to open with, what kind of prayers to close with, when do you have the chit-chat time, when do you have the get-down-to-business time, and it's all laid out for you to just make it super easy. I have a small group in my life. It's four of us total, so three other women who, yeah, we get together once a week on Tuesday nights, and it's been so beautiful, and it did. It started out like, oh, we all want this, but how is this going to look? And then it's been so beautiful. We just passed like a year, like we've been together for about a year, and it's been so beautiful to see those women like they know my story. And in the beginning, there was this fear, right? Like, well, if they know all of my story, I'm going to be too much for them. And uh, my story will be too much for this friendship and they won't want me. And it has been so beautiful to see that lie just pulled out and being rejected because it's not the case. It's women who like want to and have that desire to know your whole story and to know you at an authentic level. And it's been so beautiful to watch those friendships be transformed throughout this past year. So yeah, small groups and expect, yeah, especially as someone who's an introvert and who thrives in one-on-ones for me, although small groups are for extroverts too, because there's something there for everybody. But I have found that that has been a really beautiful place to encounter women and encounter the Lord through those women. Yeah. And I think in some regard for introverts, although it might seem daunting, the small group and having a structure to it 
can be really great because it gives you that opportunity to just sit back and listen. Right. And when there are other people who can who can really move the conversation, and you get the chance to just kind of sit back and listen and think about your own answers and think about what other people are saying. And there's such a beautiful place for that in a small group too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very different than just meeting up at a bar for a drink. Right. Like that. Right. That's not that's not attractive at all too many introverts. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> that is a place where I shrivel like, up. <laughs> frightening. Frightening yes. to a lot of introverts. So it's a you're, it's a very different ask when you're asking someone yeah. to be a part of a small group than versus, hey, let's go grab a drink tomorrow night. Yeah, just a completely different, like a different mood that is being set with that invitation. Amen. Right. So, so then here's another question along that same vein. How do you discern what communities and what small groups or friendships to say yes to? I I know that my personality is say yes to everything and then regret things later. Do you have any tips for how to discern what to be involved with and where to spend our time, especially like as women, as our lives change, whether we're dating now and then we're going to get married and then life will change or we're married, but we're going to have littles here on earth soon and then my community will look different. So do you have any tips or recommendations for that discernment process? The first answer is, pray about those things but in in terms of more concrete things to maybe mull over in prayer so I think sometimes we know we need to pray about something but we don't know which direction our prayer is supposed to go and so I think um, frequently asking God to enlighten you to whether or not relationships are life-giving in your life and often we try to hold on to the relationship with convenience because maybe we've gone through a lot with that person or that person was really there for me when X and Y happened, or they're just a lot of fun to be with. But when we look at where we are as individuals when we're with them and when we're not with them, sometimes we try to hold on to relationships for too long when they're really not healthy for us. And so I would say giving yourself permission to let go of past relationships, you can still hold on those memories in your heart and hold them in your heart, but giving yourself permission to move on And to open yourself up to other relationships is extremely important, especially as you move through different phases in your life. Now, I say that, but I I still have friends that I have from college, from high school, that I do still keep in touch with. And Mm -hmm. there are friendships that you're going to want to keep in touch with, friends that you're going to want to keep in touch with, and friendships that you are going to want to kind of keep hobbling along because they are still life-giving and because they know you so well. And they have a bit of a, also that ability to to call you to task and say, gosh, it really doesn't sound like you. What's going on? Because they can recognize that you are maybe going through a stage. Maybe it's a stage of where you're really just feeling despair and you have felt despair for a while. Um, that your friends who've known you for a long time can look at your the totality of your life and say, man, the last few years you've really been struggling. Whereas a friend that you just picked up might not realize that. They might think that this is just the way you are. So I'm not saying that all your old friendships should go, but I am saying that you should give yourself permission to let go of friendships that aren't necessarily healthy for you, that might have served a purpose and kind of timed out for you both. So that's okay to do and sometimes smart to do. And then in terms of fostering really healthy relationships in your life, I would say start small and kind of be grassroots and try different things. It's okay to meet up with someone for coffee and to say, gosh, you know, I, I don't think it's a really good fit. 
try out different things. You can look around to your own parish and see if there are things available that would fit your schedule that you could be a part of, or you can start something new if you feel like you really want to meet some new women in your life. If you start something your own, you can tailor it to fit the needs of your group, which I always think is nice. I love the Blessed Brunches because I think it's a really good launch pad mm-hmm. for getting to meet women and then deciding, gosh, some of these women, like, I think we could start a small group with. We really kind of hit it off. And then you can go from there as well. But in terms of like of discerning what to be a part of, try a couple of things before you commit. I mean, we all have a baptismal call to serve in some way. So recognizing that I think is good. In terms of being overly committed, I typically, and this, this is in the realm of friendships too, but you know, more generally, my rule of thumb is that if someone can else can do it just as well or better, I now try to say no. Like mm-hmm. I know that I can chaperone a field trip. I also know that there are other moms that really would love to do that. There are other dads that can make that happen. And so I try to say no to those sorts of things and let the teachers know if you need me in a pinch, I'm here. For a long time, I signed up for everything that I could because I wanted to be involved and I wanted to be a part of it all. And I realized that that process of doing that really takes away others' ability to serve because I'm filling that slot and I'm giving someone else who might have been on the fence kind of a path and being able to serve in that way. Because Mary was just going to do it. Mary signs up for everything. Mary was will do everything. Mary was will be the groom mom. Mary was will plan the party or whatever. The last two years, I've really taken a step back and said, I'm not going to do things that other people can do just as well as I can. I have a specific set of skills. And if I'm doing the things that other people can do just as well, then I'm not even trying to tap into my set of skills. And I'm not open to God using me in different ways. So definitely don't say yes to things automatically. Think about, because maybe, maybe you've been wondering, should I join, you know, this and such group at church? But eh, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about it. I don't feel passionate about it. Chances are you're not going to keep going if you do that. Right. But maybe what you're being called to do is to start your own something mm-hmm. and to use your skills in that way as an instigator, as someone who, as an influencer, as someone who has a skill of pulling people together, whatever your skills are, they can be used for the greater glory of God. You don't have to just join what someone else is doing. Yeah, I love that. I love that question. If someone, if someone, can someone do this better than me? And am I just filling someone's slot just because I can't or I'm available? And just, yeah, the fact that it's a constant discernment process of not being, oh, this is a group. I will say yes, I will join. I will do all these things instead of having it be something that you prayerfully go through. And that's such a beautiful way of processing through that. Shoot, that's going to be something Yeah, yeah that I keep in my back of my head as yeah. I go through things. Yeah. You know, my, my girls um, are a part of this. It's, a, it's a called Little Flowers and Little Women, and it's a little group that meets at the school. And we got the sign-up sheet. And, you know, at the bottom of the sh- registration sheet is, are you interested in volunteering? And I clicked no again. Two of my good friends run the two different groups. Mm-hmm. And I, I clicked the box, no, not, not this year again. And one of them called me and said, hey, I know you're not interested in volunteering, but last year when you came to talk to the girls about book club, they loved it. Oh. Would you be willing to come back and speak about something else? That's my skill set. Right. I love speaking to groups, and I love working with kids. So yes, absolutely. I'm not going to give a blanket yes to yeah, 
sign me up to bring snacks or sign me up to volunteer here or there or whatever. But if you reach out to me and you say, will you come speak to my group about this and such topic? My answer is always going to be yes, because that is my skill. Right? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. And it's such a beauty of like self-knowledge too. Like you know what your skill set is. And so when there's opportunities where that skill can be used or those gifts can be given, you can say yes because there is a knowledge of it. And two, with the women who are running the groups who are friends, being able to recognize those gifts and to be able to like point to certain people at certain points of the event or of the group and to say, this is where you'd fit really well. Would you like to, do you have time? Is this something you're interested in? And just that beauty of intentionality when it comes to community too. Right. And when you're in community with other women, you have the ability to do that. You have the ability to say no, knowing that other women are skilled in an area that you're not, then they, they can step up. But also, you have that freedom in knowing they know how to get a hold of me. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll serve in some capacity that fits me. You call me when you find what you need me to do. And that has helped me to back off a little and not be completely overcommitted. And really to kind of follow, we also follow in our house the rule of if you're going to add, you also have to subtract. And so as we add additional things, we've taken things out of the schedule. That in, in our lives in general keep us from being too harried, I think, if you recognize you cannot just keep saying yes without also taking some things, not just saying no to things, but taking away the things that aren't life-giving in your relationships or in your just day-to-day living. When it comes to using your set of gifts and talents that you've been given by God, what's been your favorite part of using those gifts with working with Blessed Is She? And then is there anything that you're excited for or looking forward to the most in the future of Blessed Is She and the ministry that that is? A couple of years ago when my youngest, I have four kids, and they range in age from six to 15 and a half. And when my my youngest went started doing five-day-a-week preschool in the morning, Jenna asked if I would come on in a more advisory role with Blessed Is She, because I mean, she and I were constantly talking about Blessed Is She. I was the only one local who was writing and involved in, in all the aspects of it, and we were growing so fast. And she asked me, she said, Mary Ruth, like with your organizational skills, I would love it if you would help out in a more formal capacity. And I, I mean, I couldn't say no, because again, like she was tapping into something that I do well. And so that has been a really, really, really amazing thing for me to do. And my role with Blessed is She has shifted depending on what we have needed at the various stages of growth. One of the advisors that we have referred to working in that organizational structure with Blessed is She is trying to put out a fire with a water pistol because we're growing so fast and just trying to stay on top of it, on top of all the women, on top of the, you know, the different sources of web hosting and the different um, getting products into the shop so that we can, you know, pay for, for different aspects of it. Moving Jenna to a position where she can be full time working for Blessed is She because she did Blessed is She for years part time when she had another full time job and had you know, a family. It has been really, a, really amazing to see us to move into a place where we are sustainable, where we can pay for people's paychecks, where we can pay our writers now. We started off with just all the writers were on a volunteer basis, and now they're getting paid for their work for each devotion they, they write, which is just a wonderful thing. So that has been so cool to see it grow, but also to see how Jenna has been able to tap into my gifts of kind of organization. And then her openness to 
the feedback that I provide and that our other advisors provide is just really, really great. That she knows that this is the Holy Spirit moving it, and she knows that the Holy Spirit speaks to other people as well um, regarding blessed is she. And so even though she is, you know, the ultimate decision maker, she's always open to that feedback from her trusted circle about, hey, I don't know about this. I mean, uh, we had a conversation about um, retreats not too long ago, and I looking at this question, I just think that we need to, you know, do X, Y, or Z with our retreats moving forward. I'm like, yes, absolutely, I agree. So it's just been, it's been really, really neat. In terms of what I'm looking forward to the most, I mean, short term, I'm looking so forward to going to Ireland on our Ireland mission um, yes. for our retreat there. The Holy Spirit put it on all of our hearts that we need to go to Ireland. And it was so cool to see him do it in such different ways for each one of us. Ireland is just hurting so much Mm -hmm. right now as a church. So to be asked to go to Ireland to serve really in a missionary way this November is so exciting for me to see what, you know, what he has in store for us there, what he has in store for the community of women in Ireland. It'll be our first international trip. And so it's, it's exciting. It's daunting. It makes things a lot more complicated when you're doing international stuff, but it, it's really exciting. So I think that short term is what I'm super excited about. We have a couple other projects also in the works that are really exciting that are coming up. So I don't, I don't know that I can say what they are, but yay. Stay tuned for more <laughs> yeah, information. <laughs> Keep checking the site. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Gosh, dang it. I love that. Yeah, short. I mean, also short term. I'm really excited about the Advent Journal that yes. is coming out because oh, Shannon yes. Evans is just such an amazing writer. And um, so for us to be able to tap into her experiences and her prayer life and I'm super excited about the Advent Journal that will be coming out really soon. Yeah, that'll be here before we know it. It's right around the corner. I know. I know. <laughs> Speaking it's up great. That's awesome. Oh, that's so beautiful. Where can women find Blessed is She, but also where can they find you online through your blogs and through your podcast as well? So my Instagram handle is finally something super easy. It's Mary Ruth Hackett. <laughs> and that really is, I think, the easiest place. I kind of keep Facebook to have a little more privacy. Yeah. And I'm really not really all that active on Facebook anyhow. It's mainly like, hey, does anyone know a really good summer around here or something like that? <laughs> so, um, But Instagram is the best place to find me. The podcast is available on iTunes, and that's the Parenting Smarts podcast. And it's really great, for, I would say, for parents and for teachers of all different stages. So that's Parenting Smarts, and that's on iTunes. And then Blessed is She is where you find everything else. And if you go to blessedisshe.net online, you'll find a place to sign up for the daily devotions, information about Facebook groups and how to get involved and how to host a brunch and how to support what we do through buying any of the products that we have out from like, and we have rosaries and planners and journals and all sorts of things. So, and that's where you can find the Advent journal as well as the planners that everybody loves. Um, yeah, so blessedisshe.net can find everything Blessed Is She. Listeners, you can find all this on the show notes too. I'll post them all there for easy access as well in one spot. Mary Ruth, the last awesome. question that I, that I ask women when I'm wrapping up the interviews is this one, which is how do you live out the feminine genius, especially as a woman who's intentionally fostering community with other women? For me, motherhood and spiritual motherhood is something that comes fairly naturally. I mean, that's why I was, I think, called psychology in the first place is that 
I have an ease in talking to other women about things. Intentional community. I mean, I, I'm a mother to women. I want to bring women into relationship with one another. And I want to foster those relationships and really mother them through the struggles and the joys of life. Um, one of the things that I have loved about the Blessed Issue community is the diverse ages of the women in the group. You've got college kids. I mean, we're huge on college campuses now, which just blows my mind. But we have the, the college community. But then we also have women who are empty nesters and who are retired and who are finding themselves really seeking community as well. I think being in a situation where we can minister to one another, and it's not always the older women ministering to the younger ones, but sometimes just having that relationship with younger women helps you to see so much about what you are missing in your own life also and ways that you can grow in your own your own life. Being in community with one another other gives us the opportunity to be spiritual mothers to one another. For me, that is my primary way of acting out the feminine genius. Everything that Blessed Is She does leads women to Christ in the Word and Christ in the Eucharist. When you are centered in Christ and when you live a Eucharistic life, then it makes it so much easier for you to be open to the areas that God wants you to be maybe more receptive or to be more maternal or to be more generous. If you're centered in that Eucharistic life and you're living in community with one another, then living out the feminine genius just comes so natural. Thank you so much, Mary, for your time today, for sharing your story as a Catholic woman and for all the beautiful work you put into Blessed Is She and the organizational side of it. And thank you for sharing and fostering community for women. I know I have definitely benefited from Blessed Is She, and I know that I'm not alone. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing, taking some time to share about Blessed Is She and the importance of community because it is such an important part of our lives as women. So thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to the show. Head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com to check out the show notes for this week's episode, where you're going to find all the links to the resources that Mary Ruth mentioned. Also, don't forget to check out Blessed Is She's podcast, The Gathering Place, where they gather with you at the table to talk about what you want to talk about, ask about, and share about. You can find it on iTunes. And that's all I have for today's episode. So until next time we chat, be not afraid.